What's up, everyone? If you were wondering how I've done this podcast, it's based off the Anchor. All you have to do is unload the Anchor app. And even better, guys, it's free. You could also possibly be getting paid to do this. I mean, all you got to do is just download the app. Speak your mind. If you ever dreamed of making a podcast or just anything, let your voice be heard. You can also be known on Spotify, Apple, or anything download. Just go on the Anchor app. Thank y'all for joining me on Buzzing with Marlo. I am Warren Marlo. Today is the day. Sparks are flying. Fire is going to be raging. Because one more time in the audio ring. First time ever. Podcast. Uncensored. Unhinged. All bets are off. No rules. First time ever. Prodigy, first less fortunate in the audio ring. That is, I let me say that again. Prodigy versus less fortunate in the audio ring today. Yes, I have got the guy that literally. <laughs> I have a lot of stories about this guy. I'm sure he has a good amount on me too. Less fortunate than me, if you don't remember. He was the guy that literally was a thorn in Mr. Red, White, and Blue's behind. If you think, like, storyline-wise, whatever. But but outside of wrestling, my good buddy, a good friend that literally did so much for me. I can't can't just sit here and... I don't like kissing his boot on some things because he don't even like it. But, I mean, I do got to be really real with him on this like this guy really made me a better wrestler in my first year and really tested me out to become who I was in the ring and become better and better every single time always always I send him my matches just to look at him critique him whatever because I knew for a fact this guy was not going to like BS me or whatever he would tell me if it sucked he would tell me if I needed to work on selling to the crowd more or whatever he was always there to actually look out for me. And so, now, outside of the secret world, less fortunate and prodigy. The heart, I would say the Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels type look. We gave that fear that we absolutely did not like each other. We made that thing very real. When you saw us in the ring, I, I still can never say I had this feeling before. Where the crowd would just lose it. Go nuts. For both ends. The crowd would just be excited and anxiously to see what Les would say. Hateful to them or whatever. But would be ready to see me kick his rear end. And literally 
just without us even locking up. Like, you, you know how WrestleMania 18 comes where Rock and Hogan are in the ring and the crowd's just losing their mind. Like, that is the dream match. That is the Muhammad Ali versus Mike Tyson in the era of professional wrestling. It was kind of like, I, I, I know it wasn't that big, but it was that type of feel for me. And I never got that feeling again for a long time when I was in the ring. When I was with Less Fortune, where, like, we'll even talk about it, where we literally would not do a thing and the crowd's losing their mind. We're just following with the crowd. We're not even touching each other. We're just going back and forth and the crowd's just feeling it in, rearing in, just like, come on. I'm ready to see this. I'm ready to see this. And like we always got positive feedback. Always got something told us like y'all stole the show. Like literally there was not one match that me and him ever done that we didn't steal the show. If it was me and him on the card, you knew you were getting your money's worth. You knew if it was a ballpark, it was a stadium or whatever, you knew your money was worth. So today, I'm not going to waste any more time. Today... When we come back from talking about the sponsors and everything, I will be joined with the censored one, less fortunate. He will be in the audio room, audio booth with Mr. Red, White, and Blue. All right, I am joined with less fortunate. How are Check you doing? One four. Hey, there we go. All right, man. Sparks are flying now. Yeah, here we go. It's been it's the time. The heat wave is about to hit Florida. Oh, man. I guarantee you, they see this episode, I guarantee you they're clicking like no other. Uh, you are the first and only. Trust me. You are the first and only. All right. First and foremost, I know there might have been some heat with us in the past. I, I, You don't know how much I do appreciate you for what you did for my wrestling career. Uh, you took a very green guy chops because there's nobody that chops like your ass and i'm gonna you know what this is gonna be a custom podcast because there is nothing that doesn't have a customer between you and me at some times of this when you think of my time in ccw there is nobody they can compare me with than you you knew when we were on the card we stole the show and i mean that's for sure I mean, regardless of what we had with each other, we knew we just clicked very well. And that's what I'm going to finish off on that part. So floor is yours, my friend. Well, I'm going to I'm going to continue on that a little bit. So um, never heat ever. I I would have absolutely no reason to ever dislike you. Uh, You as a person, you are a very fantastic human being who I have nothing but good things uh, to say about. In CCW, um, which I, I guess I'm going to probably shock a lot of people because I'm not going to say a whole lot of bad things about CCW or Chris Turner because I, I feel like that, uh, uh, as they say, uh, that has been beat on so much that, you know, there's not mm-hmm. a whole lot there to beat on anymore. But uh, in uh, CCW, uh, when they brought me back, I don't know if you remember this or not, um, I had been gone a few years. I had been out of wrestling. I had... Uh, grew to hate wrestling i didn't want anything to do with it um Mm -hmm. i had been active for so long and um just i me and professional wrestling have a very love hate relationship i love it but i also love to hate it i really dislike it most Mm -hmm. of the time 
So when I came back to CCW, one of the things, and this is not your fault, this is nobody's fault, but one of the things I told um, the person in charge, see, I'm being real respectful. Um, the person <laughs> in charge um, was, you know, I just want to work with people who, um, and I, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase this a little bit, but I want to work with people who are experienced. And the reason for that, um, which we're going to tell a short story here. My last stint in CCW ended up with me um, in the ring with a guy who had trained for one or two days and he dropped me on my head and I got hurt. Um, and that's when I left CCW the very last time before this last previous run. And uh, so I was very mm-hmm. nervous about being in the ring with uh, green people, as most of us are. And now you that you've worked a few years now, you understand Um when you get in the ring with somebody who's green, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Um, you don't know how the circumstance is going to play out. You don't know if they're going to be where you need them to be when you need them to be there. And you're in charge and you got to you know, take care of yourself. So I, I made it very clear that I, I didn't want to do that. And um, which the first match I had with Hayden Price, which is fantastic. Hayden is wonderful, wonderful guy. And um, the second time around, uh, we got shoved together. And uh, I, was, I was not thrilled. And it wasn't your fault I wasn't thrilled, but you were still very, very new. Uh, I think I was like four months in, I think. Yeah, four or five I mean, months. you were very new to the business. And uh, as much as we do like each other and we do get along, we are polar opposite people. Um, I am covered in tattoos. I'm loud. I'm brash. And you are very well-spoken. You... Uh, you're a family man, which I'm a family man too, but we are just, we're just totally two different people. And I think mm-hmm. it was done originally um, to that. The thought process was I was going to be able to help you through and get you to the next person. And it didn't really work like that. We kind of got stuck on each other. And uh, I think honestly, yes, it, I did. I, uh, I'm a little snug in there. You would say, right. <laughs> no, no. Let, let's just let's just cut on that one right now. The very first match we and you have, I will simply say the way we went over the match because I was wrestling effectively. I was wrestling guys that didn't really hit me, and I'm gonna just say it now: we really didn't hit each other. I got to have that experience when I wrestled your little ass. I will say that. Because the way we were going over, I was like, man, Les is a good guy. I'm really excited about it. My girlfriend at the time, now that's my wife, and my son's very first time seeing me wrestle. And that was in uh, Fernandina, I think we wrestled. Yeah, it was Stampede. Yeah. And, um, and I was really excited about it. And, I mean, me and you trained back and forth when we were clicking really well just from the get-go. But I was so – and chopped the living hell out of me. I was just blown away. I was like, okay. This is how we're going to do this. <laughs> and honestly, and I, I know it stinks because it's... Uh... No, but it, it made sense, though, because I was a little bit bigger. And you've even you've even told it, I mean, even though we went stiff in Abbeville in front of like six or seven people. <laughs> yes. But what you I, have to do, and I was always taught this way, which I was trained by a guy who was 245 pounds and who was an MMA fighter who said, and he was trained by primetime Brian Lee, who was, Mm -hmm. if any of you who don't know, was the undertaker when the undertaker faced the undertaker at SummerSlam many, many years ago. A lot of you probably wasn't even born yet. Um, But (laughs) I was always taught that, which this is this, you will going to have a deep conversation about this too. 
I was always taught that making professional wrestling legitimate was your job. And when we showed up that day, I don't think either one of us were real keen on what was happening or how it was going down. Um, but the suggestion we was didn't made really go of, over. Um, you know, American Prodigy really needs this and you're the guy to do it. Now, this is only my second show back. Um, or maybe third show, because I did one in Abbeville in between that with Logan and uh, Skylark. Um, yeah, you did a triple threat. That's right, which was awful. But um, <laughs> so my whole theory is if I'm going out there um, and you can take the blunt force trauma that I give you for five minutes, <laughs> you have absolutely earned the right at the end of that match to beat me. And you absolutely, you took everything I gave you. And uh, you oh, probably like spider man. <laughs> yeah, you came to the back afterwards, and I will never forget this because I was I was kind of planning. You were probably we were getting ready to have an altercation or something because sometimes guys don't take to that too well. Um, and you came back and said thank you for the match, and you were super respectful, mm-hmm. and you asked if you had done something wrong, which I am a little snug with my forearms, um, as um, my good brother Chris Henry found out in uh, um, Sparks, Georgia, when I pretty well relocated his nose but uh i was i was really excited when i saw you and henry wrestle because i didn't i didn't know how we were gonna see that and i remember you were a little nervous on that match when first when we were heading on in there i know i gotta throw that in there a little bit because i was that able to witness you and chris henry and the good thing a lot of people don't know which i know we don't talk too much about kayfabe and going too deep into it but um, I was very nervous about getting in the ring with somebody who was green because of me having my neck injured. And then the last time I got injured, um, the fine folks at Continental Championship Wrestling and the people they had working there told everybody that I faked an injury, even though I was life flighted out of a ring. Um, so I was just say that one now, buddy. That's the same scenario how I left. So it's you know. Pro wrestling is pro wrestling, and uh, but with me, respect is a big thing. And you earned my respect. And then Abbeville, Abbeville, I don't think was as bad as Fernandina, in my opinion. We went a long ass time. Yeah, we went too long in Abbeville, but the story we told made total sense. Um, and it led up to our next one, which was ultimately yeah. you becoming. And everything that was planned, even though I unfortunately had to leave before we could see the entire story out, but ultimately you becoming the alternative champion and everything coming out of it. So it made you tougher. It made you better. And I ultimately, I have no regrets. I have maybe not of maybe the chops could have been a little lighter. Um, we do have the golden moment that you love the Hey Barbara um, video, which is, that's one of my favorites. I show everybody that. <laughs> no, I just love how we bleeped it out. That was the funniest part of the whole thing because they said, oh, my gosh, how disrespectful. <laughs> We're just like you said, Barbara. <laughs> yeah, so to paint this picture for everyone that has not seen it, and I hate to give them views, but if you want to go back to Continental Championship, Championship Wrestling, there's a match with myself and the American Prodigy, um, and it is good. at the uh, Knights of Columbus. And um, nice show. I actually was a T-shirt dealer at the time. <laughs> So I had been in communication with the American Prodigy's mother, so I knew her on a first-name basis. And uh, at the point of kicking the American Prodigy extremely hard, um, I yelled, hey, Barbara. 
which uh, CCW felt the need to bleep out, and it made it look like I said something really bad, which I actually thought that was kind of cool. I mean, it was it was kind of neat, but uh, that's even part you even heard me. You kicked me hard as hell, and I'm sitting there laughing when you called my mom's name out. The look on your mom's <laughs> face was well worth it, though. I know she was laughing and then cringed at the same time, like this son of a gun. <laughs> so yeah, that was. I see, and I look at these back as good memories. I don't know if you necessarily do, but I look at these back as good memories because. Oh, I, dude! Like I've told everyone, like my mom was my biggest critic. Like she would always tell me if it was good or if it was bad. She loved the matches between you and me. they were real. When I went back and watched some of them recently, and dude, you could just tell we knew what the crowd wanted before we even started locking up. Like, the crowd knew they were going to be in for a show when they saw me and you in the ring. Regardless of how green I was, when we trained with each other, kayfabe it out because I re- we're both done with wrestling. So, yeah. there we go. Yeah. So, we trained a lot with each other. And it was just like we didn't even have to speak on moves. We just, we just went with it. Arm drag, arm drag, hip toss. We, we knew what we were going to do before we did it. And, and uh, a lot of things, I, too, I don't think people look at, and I don't know, I, I don't trust a lot of people in the ring. You have to definitely, mm-hmm. since I hurt myself, you have to earn my trust. And when we started doing mm-hmm. the Sunset Bomb out of the corner, for me, oh my God. that was a big deal because I would not trust I was uh, anybody to do that. You and Eric Moore were the only two people that I would even remotely jump on their back or let jump on my back and do that. Um, so you had earned you know, my trust enough for me to let you flip me over onto my head. So, I mean, that's saying something. I remember when you wanted to do this idea. I was terrified. Like, I was sitting here looking at Chris going, I thought we weren't doing spots like this. <laughs> yeah. But I had you. That's the but, thing. Like, I had you. You were safe. It was good. Like, oh, yeah, it was very safe. I mean, I still show people the video now to this day, and they're like, man, that's the sweetest move I've seen. And then you see John Cena doing it, and it's just like, eh, thank you. Yeah, not quite the same. <laughs> not quite the same. Not quite the same one. Yeah. Especially the one where you overturned on the last one. I mean, we almost went twice. Yeah, that was uh, – <laughs> see, now that one did hurt. <laughs> that one hurt. Oh, it hurt me too. <laughs> that was the one – okay, so that was WrestleBash. Um, and yeah. so – if we want to paint a really, this is a real good picture, which we were uh, up there. It kind of paints a narrative of how, I guess the, how Chris Turner is and how I am. Um, he had, which I'm not going to tell the whole story because it is kind of personal, but um, he got caught saying something about me at a training training session that was inappropriate. Um, it was something I trying to remember exactly what it was. It was like my AC had went out in my house or something, which is what I think that is what happened. I lived in Orange Park at the time and my AC had went out mm-hmm. and somehow that got Chris Turner was talking and said something like I couldn't afford to pay my bills or something. to so my AC, my electric was turned off and mm-hmm. another wrestler approached me about it and said, Hey man, are you okay? Is this what's going on? And, I, and it literally ripped me to the core because everybody knows I'm a family man. They know how I am with my family. I would never, you know what I mean? That's not that would not even be a thought. Oh yeah. Um, so when WrestleBash rolled around, I was done. I wasn't coming back, and but I had already set pace for this alternative title match that I wanted. That mm-hmm. ultimately I was supposed to win, 
And I still said, I pressured him and said, listen, I'm still going to show up. I'm still going to do the match and I'm still going to, whoever the winner is going to be at that point, I'm still going to do that. And I didn't have to, uh, I didn't have to show up. And if you remember, I was also the one making all the wrestle bash t-shirts. Um, yep. So I showed up and did it. Um, I didn't ask for pay, didn't ask for anything. And that match was not great. It was okay. Um, nah. but it was, uh, I didn't have to be I mean, a little bit. I, I like that part. I, I mean, just me and you clicked very well. And like I said before in my past, there was no one in the matches that I had that I could honestly compare to mine in your match. Maybe the Jamie McKinnon match. I will say me and Jamie were just hard as hell hitting as hard as we possibly could. And it kind of felt like mine and your match. Oh, one of mine and Logan's matches kind of came to that level. But nothing to that point where you could just tell the vibe between both of us in the ring without us even touching each other. Yeah, and, and that was that was uh, a learning experience going through that. Um, because you had to figure out, especially with Jamie, you have to figure out how far you can you go. And uh, he doesn't let you get very far. So that's kind of the what you have to do. I, I love working with Jamie, dude. I mean, that was one thing about my farewell because I was wrestling Jamie. The funny, Here's the story on this. Uh, I had some issues with my neck. I had some issues with my knee. And I was just like, you know how it is, man. We don't take breaks. We, I was always out training every two to three times a week. And then doing whatever extra that Turner would have me want to do. Well, let's just put it out there. We had a new young rookie come in and basically get this golden spoon and just been nurtured the whole time. And people were joking around saying he's going to be the next heavyweight champion. I'm sitting there thinking, like, no. Me and Kakino or whatever has been taking this brand on our backs. I mean, since you left, Eric left, everyone, I was basically one of the last freaks to actually go. And I mean, obviously, at the time I'm in that box, there's so much negativity. I'm just feeding off of it. And we've had that before. And I'll tell you now, man, sorry about it. Jeremy? Yeah, I can hear. Sorry, it was cutting in and out there. I was walking somewhere. Um, yeah, it's and when me and Eric left, I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's. I was supposed to leave with y'all. Yeah, and it was knowledge that we were doing that. Um, Eric and I didn't want to leave. That was ultimately mm-hmm. um, what led to that. And I think if you had Eric on, he would probably tell you the same thing because like, he's one of my best friends. He's a very good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, we were a little quick. We were, and it was – none of us ever had ill intentions. All of us um, just wanted to – We wanted to get that brand better. Right, we, and we just wanted we, to wrestle more, um, which is ultimately everybody's goal. You just want to wrestle more. So when we started going to Georgia, we actually took you with us one time uh, <laughs> and without asking for, uh, you know, the godfather to approve it. Um, oh, yeah. And got you in a little bit of trouble, Chris Turner, because I let another promotion make me their champion, um, which uh-huh. to me is a good thing because that means your guys are credible now. 
which yeah. that wasn't seen that way. So, and then it was just, it was just a mess. And so Eric winning the title, me being a champion somewhere else, then myself and Eric started tag teaming, which uh, I enjoyed more fortunate uh, was my, probably my favorite tag team. And I wasn't in many, but it was my favorite. Um, we tag teamed at United. I was jealous. Um, and that was a great time. Definitely we wrestled jealous. the beautiful bald besties. Um, which is a fantastic tag team. We had a great time doing that. Um, then we wrestled them again in a, uh, a six-man tag. Um, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the other guy's name. But um, anyway, it was a really good time. But because we were 30 miles away or 45 miles away from CCW land, we all got in trouble, um, which I don't get in trouble. I don't know if everybody realizes that or not. I could care less. So when Continental Championship Wrestling sent me uh, or told me I couldn't go anywhere else, that that was no big deal to me because that means I'm just not going to be at Continental Championship Wrestling and I will go other places. Um, what uh-huh. Continental Championship Wrestling lost was their person that was helping with guys like you, um, with guys like Eric, the person that was making flyers, the guy that was editing the webcast um and there was if you add up all the pluses they lost a lot on that um yeah. just by being i mean most of these shows dude like promotion wise it was always you me and him. and i mean and even when clayton was there i mean those were the four that really were promoting. and then the dog i mean those were the only guys that were really out there trying to promote these events non-stop and i mean it was just like we always had something bad with us. It was never, never like told good job or anything. It was always something, and he would wait until we we're around somebody else, and then he would go and tell somebody else a whole different story. Yeah, and that which part, we both know uh, that. I will say, and I get a lot of gruff for this, but I will say that Chris Turner, as a promoter, um, is a genius. Oh, he's great. He is absolutely oh, yeah. a genius. I call him the redneck Vince McMahon. I mean, he, I call I, him that completely. I, to me, he's mafia. Um, he has the mafia mentality is, uh, you know, this is the plate you eat off of and you better not eat off somebody else's plate. Um, and I get that and I do respect that. But also in that same light, um, I have friends that were in Continental Championship Wrestling that are, um, I'm not going to say his name, but he knows who he is, who is probably one of the best wrestlers in the world, who now is at the age where he's now too old to be the best wrestler or one of the best wrestlers in the world because he wasted too much time in continental championship wrestling because he didn't go mm-hmm. wrestle other places. And it's sad to me because he was just phenomenal. Um, and it's, I see that a lot where promoters tell guys they can't do something or you're going to hurt my show if you go do this. And it's just the wrong mentality. And it's at the end of the day. And I get, like I said, I, I still deal with pro wrestlers on a daily basis because I have the action figures and all that pro wrestling in general is bullshit. <laughs> Um, it's a bunch of bullshit. It is. I mean, it's just it got to an extent, dude. Like when when everything boiled between when it was just now, because you even told me it was like when you were leaving, you even gave me a heads up. You're like, you're ready. Either stay here, do a couple more years, get better, and then you need to go somewhere. Because you told me from the get go, if I stay here too long, it's gonna be too late. Yep. And you were right. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a small it, but... window. It's a, it really is a small window. And 
pro wrestling and I, I can break this down and my trainer broke it down for me and I'm going to, I'm going to take this way back. And some of these names I'm going to mention, you're going to recognize, but this is how they used to do business. So there used to be a guy named Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, mm-hmm. AJ Styles, low key. And there's probably an, Oh, um, Brian Danielson. Uh, some of those names you probably recognize. They all traveled together. So when they all got booked, say one of them got booked at ring of honor, you know what they did for their buddy? They got him booked in Ring of Honor. So then mm-hmm. that carried on and carried on, and that was the buddy system. Do you know how those guys met? They all didn't meet working the same show. They all met traveling around and met mm-hmm. like people like themselves who were motivated to become great. They became friends, and today there's a little mm-hmm. tiny company in Jacksonville, Florida called All Elite Wrestling. Almost Every one of those guys I mentioned, I guarantee you in the next two years will be in all elite wrestling because their buddies are there. And uh-huh. it's from traveling around and making friends and traveling around, not being in the same little, yes, can clicks be good? Yes. But being a click in Jacksonville or being a click in Yuli or Fernandina, the only thing that's going to get you is heartbroken in about two or three years when everybody forgets who you are. And it's, uh-huh. you know, those guys were smart enough. When Samoa Joe went to Japan, Christopher Daniels went to Japan. Loki went to Japan. Brian Danielson went to Japan. See what I'm saying? They took each other with mm-hmm. them. Unfortunately, yeah. you can't do that if you're only wrestling in one town. It's just you're never mm-hmm. going to get – I mean, what's the chances, which I know you guys have been told otherwise, but what's the chances that a promoter is actually going to come to your one – one crap town, wherever it is in the USA, to watch you. They're probably not. But if you go to multiple towns over a year, and if you're in every other city every other week, the chances of being seen are a lot greater. Yeah. I I mean, I was against that at first. But, yes, I totally agree with you. Uh, My third year, believe it or not, I actually did travel a little bit. Obviously, I know when someone clicks this podcast, they're going to be like, I knew it. Uh, I did travel for a little bit, but, I mean, it would be easier if you were single. Yeah, the whole uh, – and I, I used to tell people this all the time. I'm like, if you're married or have children, pro wrestling's probably probably not for you. Now, getting married and having children during pro wrestling, I think, is perfectly acceptable. Um, but – um, as I, and I say, a lot of guys will come on here and say, well, my wife told me to stop wrestling. Yes, that is a very common conversation. That does happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, a single man as a pro wrestler, as I was for the first probably 10 oh. years, wonderful. It's a wonderful experience. As soon as you have other responsibilities that require you to actually make money, it's not a real good choice to be a pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, one thing, I mean... So what was the reasons why you wanted to leave? We'll talk about yours, and then obviously you can hear about mine. Well, <laughs> mine, I mean, mine was pretty petty, I guess. But it was when he was, I mean, he was gossiping, which we all know he does that. He was gossiping about me, and it was just, I'm one of those people. So there's two things you can say about me that if you want to tick me off, um, we'll do it. Um, and one of them is saying that I do drugs, which I've never done drugs a day in my life. I am 35 years. I'm 35 years old, ladies and gentlemen. I've never done a drug in my 35 years of existence. I'm very, very proud of that. Um, so he used to say that. 
because he didn't like my trainer. He used to say I was out doing drugs with my trainer or something like that. Um, and the other thing you can do is say I'm a bad parent, which I am not. I'm a fantastic parent. I, yeah. I, you know, above everybody else, I go above and beyond for my children. So saying that, you know, we're not taking care of them or my, my electric is turned off or something like that. And that's what he was doing. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, the person that told me that he said that is one of my very best friends and I trust him with my life. So had no I think, make I think it was me and you know who. I think I was also involved in that too because I remember everything that Chris used to tell me. If it was about you, I actually kind of went up to you and said something. Yeah. Even though we didn't say it out loud. We me and you were real close. Like after our very first match, I mean let's let's let it out. We were the first ones that actually started the Sunday morning training. Oh yeah. Which was wonderful. Uh because Oh yeah. Was, I mean we'd go in there and bump for two hours. And I mean, sometimes we go over more and I had to go to work. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> like yeah. literally. So one thing I was dealing with at this point in time, which I wasn't I mean, I told I, I will say this. I did tell Chris this and I was and I if he is going to be honest, which I'm sure he's going to listen to this and I hope he understands. I'm not trying to be mean <laughs> about it because I'm not. I could care less. Oh, I'm sure he's already losing his mind if he did hear um, this. So. I told him, and I think I told you, and I'm, I know I told Eric on several car trips, I have one more year left in wrestling. And mm-hmm. everybody's like, yeah, you're, you're, tell crazy, me that. you're not leaving. But I knew where my body was. I knew that it was shutting down and it wasn't going to work. My hip was already hurt. Um, I don't know if you remember, because we hadn't really messed around too much at that point. But when I wrestled Logan and Skylark in Abbeville, the second show, I did a leg drop off the top, and it was in Gary Stevens' crappy ring that didn't have any padding. Oh, yeah. And the padding moved, Mm -hmm. and I bare-butted on just wood. And that's initially what messed up my hip. So Mm -hmm. as I kept progressing and working with you, I was throwing a lot of kicks at you, as your back remembers. Um, (laughs) Every kick was taking a toll on my back. My back says hi, by the way. Yeah, that was (laughs) those low kicks are not friendly because I trained the fight. So I throw a mean low kick, and everyone I threw took some time off my hip, and then the leg drops off the top were taking time off my hip. And then when I started working Sunbelt, which was not every three months like Continental Championship Wrestling, it was literally mm-hmm. every like two or three weeks, yeah. I was getting wore out because I wasn't working five-minute matches. I was doing 15, 20 minutes, sometimes 25 or mm-hmm. 35 minutes. If it was like Christian Walker, that was a 35-minute match. Kobe Carino was a 40-minute match. Um, I mean, there was matches. Chris Henry, that match took years off my life. Um, when I started yeah. doing the tarantula, I couldn't believe you did that one spot. My gosh, I told you not to do that tarantula. The tarantula, I, I told you that was. You know, it doesn't. Look I mean, you take pride all in that. that. Does is stretch your hip, your glutes, and all that. And yeah. So when it got down to the November, it's two years. I've been retired now for two and a half years. When it came down to that final show, so what happened there? Uh, and I'll kind of make it short and sweet. I went and back for the anniversary show of Sunbelt, which I consider my home promotion. Brooks Robinson always took mm-hmm. care of me. I never had any issue trouble, which that's on me and Eric for doing that. Um, but we took you and you got to do a battle royal, which was good experience for you. It's a good way to rub um, and meet some other people and try it, like be in the ring with some other people that you've never been. I think we took Jay Lethal with us too. Yeah. Not Jay Lethal, but uh, Jay. Uh, yeah. Put you outside the ring, inside. Right. And uh, it was, I mean, it was a fun, 
it was a fun thing. And but then that whole thing came unwound because I don't know if you remember this. The timing was Eric became champion of Continental Championship Wrestling. I became the um, Southern Heritage Champion of Sunbelt Wrestling after beating Kobe Carino. So that aggravated because um, everybody knows I sell toys. Uh, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and now she's there. She used to go to Universal Studios the next day because my wife and I were taking a vacation with the kids. And mm-hmm. I couldn't even walk around Universal. Um, it was awful. Um, so I came back home, thought about it for a little bit, and uh, wrestled a few events up here in Vincennes, Indiana, uh, which went okay. Um, How'd that go? I, How'd that go? Uh, it, it's a different. It's a different lifestyle up here. Um, it's like wrestling on a farm. It's uh, really? it's a lot slower. It's um, I it's in a matchup here. I would say you hit the ropes twice. Where you know what I mean? Like down there, we're bouncing around and we're doing stuff up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you hit the ropes twice, you're doing something. Um, mm-hmm. so I went. I called the promoter Brooks and I said, "Hey, in November, I'm going to have my last match. I'm going to wrestle Aiden Knight." Because uh, we had this whole 155 or buy thing going where I was saying wrestlers that size didn't need to wrestle. It was awesome story. Uh, it was going really well online. We had people actually thinking that we hated each other. I mean, it was. Okay. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to I want to get on that. Uh, so that was not a shoot. That, that no, was that was a complete. We were just okay. I was trying. And I think you know me to do this. Um, I know. Yeah. How oh, yeah. I know. I'm people sure. thought we hated each other. Yeah. People really thought me and you had absolute beef with each other. Now, and I kept saying now, nothing but good things about you. I mean, hell, you made my first toy. My, my whole thought process <laughs> behind it is Aiden Knight and his brother legitimately only weigh about 100 pounds. And do mm-hmm. I have an issue with that? Yes, to an extent. Um, but my issue is not necessarily with their weight. My issue was more with them they didn't do a training school did needed they? to get bigger so because it makes all of us mm-hmm. look bad if i bump for a guy that's 100 pounds oh, yeah. it makes me look bad so mm-hmm. so the 155 or buy thing was going well um and then which is issue just came up again aiden and his brother i guess were wrestling for a company where the promoter is a sex offender and the company sunbelt didn't He's want talking to about uh, uh not the one in Orlando, but another one in, uh, I think it's in Alabama, um, or maybe Georgia. But Oh, okay. Um, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so Brooks and Sunbelt didn't want them on the show for that reason, which I 100% agree with. We run shows in a middle school. We don't need that reputation following us into the middle school. So mm-hmm. that gets canceled, and I request to wrestle Dante, um, which Dante the Dragon mm-hmm. Steel, fantastic wrestler. Uh, talks a little too much, but a fantastic wrestler. Uh, mm-hmm. And about a week I before was. that, um, I wrestled in Vincennes, Indiana, and threw my hip out, um, completely out. Could not mm-hmm. walk, nothing. I, I, it was horrible. And I did a simple match. I did nothing, no high spots, nothing. It was just a trip. I was about to say, for you to say, we, if you hit the ropes twice, that means you're doing something there. I was just sitting there, I'm thinking like, wow, you could have done definitely more longevity there. Yeah, because... well, I took a hip toss. Um, and when I took the hip really? toss, my hip popped out. Um, oh, okay. so this is a week before my last match in uh, Georgia. So I called Brooks and made the suggestion and pleaded and said, can we please convert this match into a triple threat and bring Aiden Knight in so we can at least finish the story 
And that way, and if you go back and watch the match, I encourage anybody who wants to, it's on YouTube. It is on Brooks's page. Um, Brooks's page has the full match with my speech afterwards. One on YouTube doesn't have the end part with the speech, but um, Mm -hmm. I encourage everybody to go watch it and see how we told the story. And the story was um, pretty much so every time I got bumped, I was out of the ring and gone. And the reason I was out of the ring and Mm -hmm. gone is because I couldn't walk. Um, Every time they would bump me, I, if I had to hit the ropes once, I had to take like a two-minute intermission to be able to get my hip back underneath of me so I could stand up. Yeah. Uh, so that was my last match. And a lot of people were like, oh, you know, you, wouldn't have, you shouldn't have had one more match. But I went out the way I wanted to. I did one more dive out of the ring. I hit one more swing in DDT. I did one more tarantula. I could tell. I could tell that was your last match for sure because you were doing all all those moves, and I already knew you were hurt. And I, I remember I you told hurt. me that was, which was what scary. I remember you telling me that that hip was gonna worry, but you were gonna just take a monster and be all right. That was, and my whole theory of it was, even and the bad thing, I was going to Universal again the next day because whenever I come to Florida, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thought process was. I don't care if I tear it off the bone, which is ultimately kind of what I did. I have bursitis in my hip now because my bursa came off the bone. Um, I didn't care. I wanted to give Dante and Aiden a good match, and I wanted the fans of Sunbelt to go home and go, wow, look what this guy did. Hurt. And then after the match, um, and I have a lot of critics because I have quit wrestling a few times, but this time I took my boots off. I took my kick pads off. I gave my kick pads to one of the wrestlers there um, named Frank, uh, who's a young guy starting out who needed some kick pads. I gave my knee pads to um, our good friend D, um, Mr. Dillinger. Um, <laughs> I gave all my gear away. I gave Stunt Marshall my ripped up tights because he's a good buddy of mine. Um, mm-hmm. I literally gave all my gear away. I did a speech at the end. I quoted my favorite song, um, which is Eulogy by Frank Turner. And uh, I, the fans in Sparks, Georgia, let me know how much they cared, which I didn't expect. And uh, it was it was great. It was fantastic. Um, I have I'll, say, I'll say I'll say one cool thing about. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'll say one cool thing about when you won the heavyweight title. That was your first time ever winning a heavyweight title. And the story we told was your, pretty amazing too, honestly. Yes. Um, yeah. And the the what happened is the champion at the time, Johnny Maverick, had tore his ACL or something. His knee was shot, and he needed time mm-hmm. off. And they wanted me just to face Johnny Maverick and beat him, which my size at that point I weighed 174 pounds on a heavy day, so. You were actually so, putting weight on. Yeah, that was with that dirty yeah, bulk was, you had going. And in Sunbelt, I was <laughs> I was gaining weight because I was man. I, my ultimate goal was after, and I told everybody after the Kobe Carino match, I'm going to try my best to go to NXT. That's what I'm going to try to do. Um, even hurt, mm-hmm. I thought I could do it, but then after I started putting weight on, is when I really started noticing the injuries couldn't handle the body weight, mm-hmm. the mass. Yeah. Um, so. When I went there and they told me that, I was like, you know, let's not do that. Let's do this. And they put Grimy Contrell, which was Kevin Contrell in CCW in the match, who's fantastic. He's an awesome human being. He also runs United Pro or did run United Pro. Um, they put Pure Goodness, who is a giant 400-pound man. Um, Rico and Athens. <laughs> and uh, who else was in that? Somebody else was in that match, I thought. That might be it. Yeah, that was it because it was a four-way. And the way we told the story was the entire match, I was getting destroyed. Um, And these Mm -hmm. big guys are trying to become champion. And I'm just there as a punching bag for these guys. 
Mm-hmm. And at the end of the match, I hit a frog splash on pure goodness. Um, I'm sorry, pure goodness spears Johnny Maverick out of the ring. Um, Johnny Maverick has now completely gone out of the ring, but pure goodness rolls over after he spears him. And I hit a frog splash on pure goodness um, right after the spear. I mean, it was poetry in motion. It was beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. And then as I've got him in a three, Kevin Cantrell breaks up the, or Grimey Cantrell breaks up the pin and hits me with his finish. I reverse that, which the finish got boggled a little bit, but it was just, it made total sense. It was, I last minute kind of spiked Dudley-ish, beat Grimy mm-hmm. Cantrell, who was the second smallest guy in the match. And that way Johnny Maverick didn't actually lose his title, which to me yeah. was a beautiful story. It worked out great. And I had a couple title defenses. It made so sense. It, was, it, was, it made sense. Yeah. Nope. There's a lot of people who were angry about that. They were mad that I, they made me the champion and all that, but um, to each his own. At the same time, Daniel Bryan was the champion of WWE. Um, so, I mean, I, mean so. I will say this, dude. You took a hell of a beating. I mean, for what, not only for what you've done with me, uh, just hearing the stories that you've always told me with guys that you've wrestled. You've always wrestled guys that are way bigger than you, uh, every time. I'm not going to sit here and kiss your boot on it, but, dude, you went through hell. You had to prove yourself every single night to be with these big guys. And I remember some of the stories that you would tell me, and you were like, man, you better be glad it's not like how it used to be because guys like us, they'd beat the living dog piss out of us and not think twice. Yeah, they didn't care. And, I mean, they really did not care. A small guy, when I started, which was in 2001, um, a small guy was looked at as a skid mark on the business that should not be in it. So mm-hmm. all those guys yeah. take the way our first match went times that by 10 and minus a couple teeth. Um, that's how they treated mm-hmm. you. They, I mean, they would beat you up until you quit and then they would hope you wouldn't come back again. That was, I mean, mm-hmm. that's just how they did business, which, you know, that's how I was taught. That's how I was brought into the business. And I, you know, and ultimately today, do I regret some of it? Sure. I wish I never had stepped foot in the wrestling ring. But in the same sense, my work ethic, the way that I like, Dude. like it's, I know I got it from being a professional wrestler. So I'm very thankful mm-hmm. for that. My body, on the other hand, I, mean... I, I fear of not making 50 <laughs> years old. Um, that, is a, that is a common conversation in my household because of all the stuff I did. Um, we haven't even talked about mm-hmm. before I met you. Um, and any guys you talk to will tell you about the nobody home dives where I used to tell guys, it started with um, Lance Alante and CCW, I'm going to dive at you Mm -hmm. and I want you to move and let me hit the concrete floor. Um, And I would bear back on on a concrete floor. And I did that for five years straight. And I remember you actually had an idea. You wanted to do that in one of our matches, and I told you no. Yeah, and That was one I actually – that's actually the one I actually banned up and told you no. I told you flat out. I said I don't. I don't feel comfortable with that. Which you talked me into doing that sunset flip. I mean, you had to really talk me into doing it because I was so against doing anything that involved us jumping out of the ring, jumping in, and that was actually one of our problems at first when we started working because you just felt like, oh, I was just a just a normal wrestling match at times. I was doing it mainly to take care of both of us because yeah, <laughs> I, I knew we were going to be in there for a while. It was funny because I had this conversation with uh, Ray Lloyd, which is Glacier, uh, a few years back. 
um, actually, he met my wife for the first time, and my wife walked up to him and told him, thank you, because of you, my husband is still alive. Because when I was mm-hmm. wrestling for AWA World 1, which was Spinebuster Championship Wrestling, which was a fantastic promotion, um, early 2000s, that booked gigantic names. I mean, I wrestled on shows where they had the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express. Like, they booked all, mm-hmm. they booked Jerry Lawler, they had Tully Blanchard. I mean, they had big names. And and Steve Carino and um, C.W. Anderson and all these guys that just idolized. But <clears throat> Glacier pulled me over one time at one of those events after I did a Nobody Home Dive and asked me why I had a death wish. Um, and I said, I don't have a death wish. I just want people to remember my name. And he said, uh, and I had this, I, I say, it's got to be three or four years ago I had this conversation. Um, he told me, uh, you know, you don't have to die in the ring to die. And I didn't really get mm-hmm. it at the time. But the more I thought about it, it was like, oh, I get it. Like, I'm doing too much. I'm killing myself in here. And you don't really have to kill mm-hmm. yourself to kill yourself in the ring. You can fake it. You don't have to actually do it. And I was mm-hmm. actually killing myself. I was actually waking up the next day and in so much physical pain. And as you know, I've, I don't take prescription pills. I don't do anything. I, I mean, I don't hardly drink. So I was living with really bad pain and, but it was nobody's fault, but my mm-hmm. own, I was doing it to myself, mm-hmm. but the pop of the crowd was, you know, it's it, tempting. It, that's what we felt. Yeah. That's what we felt like. It was the biggest thing. And, to and me, I remember when I showed you that video, I remember when I showed you the video when I jumped out of the ring. You looked at me and said, "You got to stop." Yeah, you got. I remember I mean, you the telling great, me, but you know what? That pop ends, and when that pop ends, yeah. then your bones start popping, and that's when you start like me right now. It's fantastic that I uh, I've been able to do the things that I do, but I also have three little girls that I can't pick up. Um, I can hold them for a few mm-hmm. minutes a day, and it's it's great. And I, and I know there's guys that wrestled way more than me and probably did way stupider things than me. But my whole entire goal was I wanted to be Spike Dudley times 10. That's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I did it. I did it for a long time. Um, I took my friend John Davis, who's a fantastic wrestler, and I still think is one of the best wrestlers in the world, um, with me to an event when he was pretty green at the time. He'd only been working two or three years. And he sat in the crowd and watched mm-hmm. the show uh, because, you know, the reasons. Um, I dove out of the ring and hit the floor. I was wrestling a piece of garbage named Chasing Rance who's a piece of crap. Um, I was wrestling him and I hit the floor and bounced and it was on a basketball floor. And John got in the car at me and Mm -hmm. said, that was the stupidest thing I ever seen anybody do in my life. And, and whenever John spoke, everybody listens. Um, even before he was John Davis that we all know today. But, um, when I bounced off that floor and he was like, that's the stupidest thing I ever seen. And then a couple weeks later, Glacier had that conversation with me. That was like, you know, Sometimes you need people looking out for you instead of people going, hey, you're that yeah. guy that takes those falls. Will you do it over here at this rodeo pit? Or, hey, will you do this in this gymnasium? Because, you know, people are going to love it. You need somebody to say, hey, you know, pro wrestling's stupid. Let's not kill yourself because you have a life to live. And that's what those guys yeah. did for me. I mean, it's a, violent, it's a violent theatric. I mean, but it's a lot harder for guys our size because we're not the Hulk Hogan's. We're not the Andre's. We're the guys that are the workers. Right. And when you saw us wrestle, when you saw us wrestle, you knew 
you were going to be in for a show. And with me, you knew too, for the guys that are size. My mentality back then, which um, here's a good comparison. Um, Joey Ryan goes out and he hip tosses people with his penis. That's his gimmick. That's what he does. And people book Joey Ryan all over the universe for what he does. That's what he is known for. Um, my friend mm-hmm. Effie, who wrestles, um, is a legitimate gay man. And he goes around and I really around. did not believe that he was gay at first. Yeah, then I met him. Hundred percent legit. I was blown away. Uh, he's a very like, good friend of mine. I love him to death, and I hope somebody. Oh, yeah, he's a real him nice off. guy. Um, but it's a legitimate. He does his thing, and he gets booked everywhere doing his thing. My thing was I was the guy that they could have a three hundred pounder beat me up for twenty minutes, and then I would dive mm-hmm. out of the ring at the guy when looks like I'm getting hot on him a little bit and they would move. I would take the die bump um, as we used to call it. Um, And then at the end, sometimes I would remarkably roll them up or I would get put through a table or I would get, you know, slammed through barbed wire or whatever the promoter. I remember when you told me all that. Not, I remember when you told me all these stories, dude, I looked at you and said, don't expect that out of me. And and this was actually our first conversation we had. And I think you kind of felt like it was a different vibe at that time. Because I was just like, I'm not going to try to kill you. And I hope you wouldn't try to kill me. (laughs) No, I just give you you some 20% love taps. I'm softy. Um, (laughs) We're both for soft. What you talking about, man? I could have sworn we heard pins drop by the time they would sit there and chocolate. Yeah. I do remember, though, our Abbeville match. I have never been blown up. Me and you were completely relieved that match was over. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why we went so long that day, which I, I think. It was uh, good, though. I, yeah. I think, it went uh, with, we went with it. I think it was because I, I want to say that one of the matches went short, and they said go longer, and then we went just a little too long. But I hated those shows. We went longer than the main event. Yeah. We went longer than the main event. I will say that one. I think we did get some shit thrown at us. Well, I think it was Eric and Alistair. They went short was the problem. Yeah. Because they were opening match because Alistair was being punished. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. that bull crap. But so I want to I'm going to finish on this because I know you probably have more questions, but I'm not going to keep you too long because I don't like tooting my own horn and I don't have a a horn to toot. (laughs) Um, I am very proud of everything that we did while we were there. Um, I feel like I was able to give you guys something um, that Mm -hmm. you weren't getting. Um, And a lot of that was just it's kind of fatherly, I guess. It was kind of tough love. Um, I know Eric appreciated mm-hmm. it. Eric needed somebody to tell him that, hey, I know you think you're good, and I know you're good, but you're not there yet. Um, he needed somebody to do that, and unfortunately – He didn't like it at first. No, he didn't. He did not like that at first. I was blown away when y'all actually started getting along because I remember when me and you started talking, Eric was just like, you need to be careful. But Eric also told me when we had our first match, he said, you make sure you tell that man thank you because – I mean, he is a true veteran to the game. And, I mean, I, I wouldn't be where I was if I didn't wrestle with the ring psychology, with just just learning to read the crowd. Because, I mean, at the time, I'm just begging for the crowd to start saying USA, USA. And you kept telling me, I will be the, at that level that I need to be when the crowd starts saying it and I don't say a word. Right. And let me – and let me tell you, it was so much more relieving on my voice when that started happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the, the USA's. Uh, we never understood why you Oh, the New Day one? 
Hey, they went with it too. That was even the funnier part. Yeah, but I, I, honestly, I want you to know, and I, I've had this conversation with Eric. I'm very proud of everything we accomplished. Um, was it snug? Was it stiff? Well, all that? Yes, 110. percent And I would have it no other way. It needed to be. Um, because if you want respect, you got to earn it. And if they would have put me in mm-hmm. there, I'm a good example. Um, and I'm friends with them now. I, me, and Skylark did not mesh. Um, I did not like Skylark's style. I thought he was sloppy. Um, first time I met him, he hurt himself. He like tore his finger off mm-hmm. his hand cause he did something stupid. Um, he wanted to do stuff that was dangerous. And I told Chris right off the bat, like, I'm not working with him. Well, guess what happened? Second match. He puts me in a match with him. That was kind of mm-hmm. the downfall of it because it's, I looked at guys and said, okay, I know my limitations now because when I first started wrestling, I did not know my limitations. Once I figured out that I could build out of the ring and land on my back and survive it, the sky was the limit. They used to have me, um, <laughs> in which I, you've taken bumps. You understand what they feel like. Um, stand on the top rope and take a back bump off the top rope, jumping as high as I can. I was the only one that would do it. Um, but I would shake. We had the old wood ring then, which was very stiff. Uh-huh. I would shake the entire ring to the yeah. point where you think it would break. And I might have weighed 155 pounds then. And they would uh-huh. just let me do it over and over, probably four or five times a day. And times that by a couple mm-hmm. of years, that's a lot of big bumps. Um, yeah. And not even adding in the show bumps on the ground. And then um, back in the day, I used to do pole bumps where guys would whip me into the pole and I would take it head on and then spin around the pole and take a back bump on the floor, like in the air, almost like the poles give me a hip toss. Um, mm-hmm. I used to do that. Uh, I mean, I, I'm telling you that if you were to talk to some of the guys that worked with us back then, they would all tell you, you know, he was an idiot. Uh, and I was, I uh, completely agree. I was working Kevin Cantrell one time at extreme pro wrestling and I dove off a balcony on him. Um, we both mm. got paid $25 to come to that show. Why was I on a balcony? You know, like, um, yeah. bled all over Georgia. I mean, I, I, everywhere they went, that was bleeding. Uh, that was, I mean, wrestling took its toll on me, but for me, my, mm-hmm. and I tell everybody that will listen to me about it. My highlight was those last couple years helping you helping Eric. Um, and there was other guys, um, even Frankie Morris. I felt like I was able to help him kind of get Dude, where he needed that to get. Match, that match made him like he needed. I was very nervous. I was very nervous of putting him in that match with us. And I had that conversation with you. I was just like, I didn't think he was there. I mean, he lost the weight. He went in there and just took over. I mean, out of anyone in that match, he stood out. Yeah. And well, I mean, that match was magic for a couple of reasons. There was people in there that had better looking gimmicks. Um, Jay Lee's gimmick looked better than I think all of ours put together. But Jay Lee, yeah, but... Jay Lee couldn't do anything. He just, he was the type of person that you had to hold their hand and tell them where to go and what to do. And then you had Frankie mm-hmm. Morris, who only knows two moves. And I'm not shooting mm-hmm. on him on this. He, at that point, knew two moves. And I remember I looked at him in the eye and I say, when you hit that slam you want to do, you better look up and tell the crowd that that was your move. So they know that's all you mm-hmm. got. And when he did that, and that crowd, I mean, I think the crowd knew he didn't have any other moves. I think they knew at that point that he was just, he was screwed. They, they thought he was like a jobber. I mean, I remember when Chris first put him in. Let's be real. I mean, Chris did not expect a lot out of him. I mean, it was it was a fact. 
I mean, but he came in there and he wanted to learn so much more every single time. Frankie, he earned my respect after that. Uh, he, uh, my, I mean, it wasn't uh, just after that. Man. He stepped up so much even after I left. I oh, talked yeah. to him maybe one other time after I left, and I told him, um, I sent him a Facebook message. He made the webcast. Like he made the webcast like, for a while. Yeah, and I. I mean, yeah, let, let's be real. He did really good for himself, <laughs> honestly, and I. He was one of them. Uh, I remember, and this is something I guess is a little way behind the scenes. Um, he was he showed up one Sunday, um, I believe it was a Sunday. I could be wrong. Could have been a Thursday um, to train, and he's like, "Hey, man, I've been watching a lot of like European wrestling, and I want to try some mat transitions." Which I had just wrestled Kobe Carino, and I picked up a lot from Kobe because mm-hmm. Kobe, um, which he's on the ball now, he's doing great. But at that point in time, he wasn't. I mean, that's when he just got busted at WrestleMania and all the stuff that went on with him. But he was a technician. He was transitioning things out of things I'd never seen before. And I picked up a lot from Kobe. And when I got there with Frankie, I was showing him some of the stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah. And I saw this guy. And he starts naming off wrestlers like Jack Gallagher before he was in WWE. Um, And starts Mm -hmm. naming off all these people. And he's like, man, I'm really just motivated by this. And as soon as he started telling me what he was into, it just all clicked to me. Like, man, this kid's got it because he's. He's studying he's something that none of us are studying. None of us are watching mm-hmm. European wrestling. None of us are watching stuff from London. None of us are watching it. And he, him and his friend, which I, I'm sorry, the, the mime kid, I didn't really get that whole thing. But they were he watching was good. I was, European wrestling. They were good. I, I missed them a lot when they left. I mean, I left before Frankie did, but Johnny at the time, I was real proud when I got to put the title on him when I got to put him over for the belt. Uh, obviously, at that time, I was injured at the time. I didn't get a heads up to know, hey, I was dropping the belt at that time, but I kind of had a feeling just because I just got married. So I guess I'm getting punished for that. Yeah, that's usually <laughs> how that went. Which a lot of those guys, um, I, and I hope they all listen and take it in. There wasn't one guy there I did not like. Um, not one mm-hmm. of them. I, I mean – there's a couple of them that, like, if I was asked to wrestle with Jay Lee, I probably wouldn't have. It's not because I didn't think Jay Lee was a wonderful guy. I had just there was nothing we could do. Um, mm-hmm. I loved Logan Stevens. To this day, I still love Logan Stevens. I think he's a fantastic human being. He's a great father. He's a great person. I honestly like Chris Turner. I think Chris Turner, outside of the wrestling business, is a fantastic human. I don't see anything wrong with him inside the wrestling business. I think he's probably the scum of the earth. But yes. it's, I, and that's sad because Chris Turner, as a human being, um, he's like a father. Uh, he figure. is. He really that's, is. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. Like honestly, on this, I want him to hear me on this shit because this shit that he's been doing for me for the past two years, it's been enough. I had him on my social media account, on my, my normal social media account. This is even after the American Project thing, messaging me saying, "I hope your neck is doing well. I hope you're doing this." Like he's throwing little jibes at. Me. Every single time, just because I can't be in the ring 24-7 for him because I got tired of him nursing a, a little kid his first freaking year winning a title that I damn near had to wrestle a whole year from losing every time. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to get fed up. Uh, the times that I was going to get booked at Sunbelt, I'm going to let it all out now. The times I got booked at Sunbelt, Chris would call me threatened to quit fire me. Because I was going to take that match with Grammy Turnshell. 
Which would have been such a... For two which, hours. The reason... Two with, hours on a conversation with him on this. Which I... Two like, hours. When we booked that, and I told you this, the reason... Because I had something to do with that. I said, the reason we're going to put you at Grimy, which was Kevin Cantrell... Something to learn. Was, he came from CCW. He knows what to expect from a CCW trained wrestler. And that's not a shoot on you, but that's... He knows how Chris trains his guys... And what Chris expects mm-hmm. you guys to have. So it was a smart decision. And he used to train guys at CCW. So it would, mm-hmm. there's like no bad could come out of that at all. And mm-hmm. uh, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, because Oh, I know. Uh, I got told that after I left CCW. It was, it was going to be tough for me. I, I mean, I, I with this podcast now, man, it just blows me away at how many people actually were, were wanting to know more of me wanting to know what happened. Obviously, you got Jay Too Strong and these guys going, hey, man, when are you going to lace it up again? I just – dude, I got so burned out. I just got to the point to where it was just like I didn't want to do anything. It wasn't fun for me anymore. It felt like it was a punishment on sometimes. I knew for a fact if I went back to CCW, I was going to be a jobber. I was not going to be the big guy that, that – I, I should have been the main event for two damn years. I mean, let's be real on it. Like, me and Kikino carried that company after all y'all left. And Frankie stepped up. Donnie stepped up. I mean, we had a very stacked roster. We had guys that actually had had adversity to actually put on good, good shows. I'm not knocking the guys they have now, but, I mean, just at that time, these guys had experience outside of wrestling, too. And it was just like we had more knowledge, and I felt like, it felt more of a good fraternity when I first started compared to what when I was when I was about to leave yeah. because I just felt like I did not belong there anymore, and it sucked because I've kicked myself in the butt about it every time now is because I gave so much time to him when I left, dude. I didn't get one phone call, no messages. I mean, when I was wrestling, you even could be my witness on this. How many times do you think he texted me a day? Oh, a hundred, two minutes. A too many. Yeah. But the time I quit, none. Yeah, that's crazy. None. He sees a video about Logan posted about me putting him over for the junior heavyweight championship. I get messages for two months harassing, talking about why, why, why. And like I told him from the beginning, I said, I have no heat with you. I respect everything you've done for me. I appreciate what you've done for me because I will tell you this. Chris helped me when I was at the lowest time of my life, when I had the issues with my kid. That was just the beginning. That was that time. But for him to do that stuff that he did to me, I don't have, I don't, I don't have any words to say on that. I just, it just makes me feel that regret type scenario on something. But such is life. I mean, you learn, you live, whatever. I mean, was it fun being American Project? You bet your butt. Was it fun being a less fortunate rival? Heck yeah. Uh, I mean, may not have been the, all of the greatest matches that we wanted, but for for a guy that had your experience, for a guy that, for me, being as green as I did, as I was, I feel like we did very good. And I, honestly, and I felt like I we, were, we were a damn good pair. I definitely appreciate the compliment, and I really appreciate you having it on the podcast. That is, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, keep doing it. I've listened to a few of them and um, inspired every time you do one. Hold my beer, Hanson is one of my favorite I mean, human beings on the planet. So, uh, 
Dude, he is a character. Did you hear the J2 strong yeah, one? Yeah, My heart was hurting laughing. I love J. My heart was hurt. Please keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I'm going to end this on something I haven't said in a long time. And uh, I want you to keep doing what you're doing. And maybe someday you're going to get back in the wrestling ring. But um, I want everybody I don't listening to understand that I may not be able to wrestle anymore. I may not be able to. But if you mess with me, you may feel less fortunate. There you go. From the Cincinnati one himself. Brother, I appreciate you doing this. And uh, whenever you got time to make an AP action figure, maybe we can do a dual pack. It, but it's on its way. I'll hit you up on that. It's on its way. All right, bro. Uh, be safe and uh, take care. have a good one, bud. All right, man. Later. All right, thank you. All right, I know people go to gyms day in and day out trying to find a way to get in shape. They are also told by personal trainers to lose weight as they be on the treadmill. You do that for so much and they don't get the results. If you are the person that I am describing, go check out Vector Fit. I mean, is check out Thomas Hatton. He is a trained personal trainer. He is a nutritionist. He writes down your workout plans. He gets you the result that you are needing. And even better, guys, I know we have that hard word that's the word dieting. And let me tell you, he brings a whole different level to that word. It is not just you not eat cake, you don't eat anything. No, he brings out what you really need for your body. He puts a training program specifically for your body. So check out Vector Fit at Facebook at Vector Fit. You can also check him out on Instagram at Vector Fit. Um, and also, if you need to, if you're not really fond of social media, you can also call him at 904-548-8479. That is 904-548-8479. That is Vector Fit in Yulee, Florida area. Thomas Hatton, y'all. So, if y'all want to change your body, hit him up. Alright, time to get to go home cue. First and foremost, I would like to thank the Sensor One, known as Less Fortunate, aka also known as Wesley McRoberts, for joining us today. And man, that was awesome. That was pretty cool to talk. I mean, we haven't been able to really talk like that in a long time. Like I said, man, he's been out of the game for a while. I have myself. And just think... When I first started with him, was like basically my first go around and stuff like that. And six years later, I've hung it up. He's hung up. And I mean, you could just tell like he does not have any regrets of what he's got now. Obviously, some of the choices he had in the ring pretty much have probably affected some of his livelihood and stuff. And I mean, give a big shout out to his wife. She's really been a true team player for him on that journey. So that's that's really awesome just to see how everything's panning out for him now. Also, I want to give him a good congratulations on his toy shop that he just opened up, Snap Customs. It was just an idea for him to actually just start making action figures for the indie guys, um, independent wrestlers and stuff like that. And also, I am also one of the ones that he has made an action figure for i'm so blessed and thankful for all the awesome art ideas that he's always had because he's always basically hooked me up helped me go and man 
I'm telling you right now, if it weren't for him on some of the t-shirts and stuff like that, man, some of the merchandise I would have probably wouldn't have looked as great as they did. So give a good shout out to him on that. Give him a, a good, a just, I, I, I tell, I mean, I don't really like to just, I don't say this much about most guys about kissing their boots or something like that. But man, there was a lot of things this man has put his body through and literally he's, he, he suffers from it now this, this day, but. It's awesome just to see now he's able to just be a family man. Uh, he's got his dream job now. He's working at making action figures, selling toys and stuff like that. And it's awesome. Also, shout out to 10 Pins Bowling. Um, it's And they're really a good sponsor for us as well. So, I mean, just truly appreciative to all of them. So, from me all the way in seattle washington i've been here currently for a week so far i have actually witnessed what cold weather is lately and man let me tell you the seahawk pride is like no other but let's end it off like we always do i hope everyone washes their hands stay safe stay clean do what you gotta do do what you got protect what you need and i will be back when we have more down the road later To being the new member of the Rasp Rebellion. I want everyone to go to the website repsports, R-E-P-P, sports.com and get 15% off on your first purchase if you do the promo code AP2420 and you have to type in the capital letters of AP2420. And like I said, you get 15% off. I know with the hard times in quarantine, Honestly, supplements are going to be the best way to go. They've got BCAs. They have the energy drinks. They have pre-workouts, uh, whey proteins and stuff. I would love everyone to go to repsports.com to get and use the promo code AP2420, which is capital letters AP2420, to get 15% off on your first purchase. Thank you all.